This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, July 19th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telski looks at housing, Norwood plans for trails and open space, EPA answers tailing removal questions, and a mountain weather forecast. Like everyone else in the region, the Telluride Ski and Golf Resort has housing on the mind. This is something that we think about every single day now. That's Telski's Chad Horning providing a quarterly update to Mountain Village Town Council last week. He says the housing crisis is straining the resort. We've got 100 posted positions right now at the ski company, way more than we normally do. Um, we've seen more applications in the last week than I think in the previous five weeks, which is incredible. Um, so we're hopeful that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, but um, employees have been a real challenge. And it's it's compounded here because the whole country is, has a problem with employees, but the whole country doesn't have a problem with housing. We have a problem with both. And so when you finally get that right employee, we, we're not able to find them the housing. And it's just a real challenge. Even with the ski company's housing, it's a real challenge. And while the summer is plugging along, lack of housing is also leading to worry for the winter. We're a little apprehensive about this winter. We don't know how we're going to get through with employees in the housing. Um, you know, COVID has taught us to not think too far ahead. Um, we're hopeful that um, that we've we've kind of swung to an extreme here with the housing shortage and the employee shortage, and that it'll swing back a little bit. If it doesn't, um, you know, we're going to be really restricted on what we can do in, in some areas. But we we're, we're confident it's going to swing back a little bit, and. Um, and we're, we're, we're hanging on to that at this point because our options are kind of limited. To help mitigate, Horning says Telski is working on a number of housing projects of its own. We're working heavily with um, the Forest Service on some renewed efforts to get land close by to uh, turn into some workforce housing. We're also uh, working with the town on a project here locally. And we're also uh, planning on breaking ground on an early project this spring, which uh, will add some housing to the market. Um, and we're working on some other projects as well. But even with the challenges, Horning says the resort is still doing well. Visitation to the bike park is up 45% since 2019. The parks and open spaces in and around Norwood may soon be getting an upgrade. The town of Norwood is partnering with the University of Colorado Denver's Technical Assistance Program to develop a conceptual master plan looking to elevate and connect parks, trails, and open space in the town. According to Patty Grafmeyer, administrator for the town of Norwood, the project is looking at five different parcels of land. We have on the south side of town, we have um, the disc golf. Then a little further, um, we're traveling north. Then we have our park that just sits just behind the uh, Norwood Town Hall, Norwood Community Center. There's the pocket park sitting along Grand Avenue, the community garden. Then the town still owns a piece of property over on North Street, which is vacant and unimproved, but it will also, by deed, it has to stay some sort of park or open space. So we were looking at, um, you know, possibly through the the public process will figure out uses for that that people would like to see for that piece of property over there. 
Chris Anderson, West Slope Field Coordinator for the University Technical Assistance Program at CU Denver, who is leading the project, says the plan is looking to connect the parks through a trail system, make the areas accessible to the community, have safe spaces that are interactive for all ages, and highlights the Norwood community. But he notes the plan won't necessarily include a huge overhaul. Honestly, there's there's a lot of wonderful things already in place with that that a lot of communities, um, if you travel around the Western Slope, don't have in in such proximity to to town. I mean, the town, the the primary town park is is amazing with all the amenities that are there. Um, of course, you know, there's always going to be things like maintenance and whatever. But but um, the fact that that's there, as well as the open space. Uh, I think the biggest thing really that we're going to be focusing on is connectivity from the various different uh, resources. And then the town is very interested in developing a few locations a little bit more than they have been or have, you know, in their current state. In order to develop a plan that reflects the community, the design team is looking to the public for input. Things you like about the parks and trails and the open space. Um, for example, you know, you think the Frisbee golf course is wonderful um, to, you know, we're, we, it's hard to get from point A to point B across town because pedestrian access with sidewalks or ADA curb ramps. There is a website for the project asking questions about what the residents would like to see in the spaces. I think we all, the main thing is here, and it's, it's a consensus of, of many people, is the fact that these spaces be connected and that, you know, we start moving towards more foot traffic instead of finding places to park as you're going to, uh, let's say, the community garden or the pocket park. So I think, you know, bike, foot trail, those kind of things. A link to the project website with space for comments is available at the Town of Norwood's Facebook page. The Environmental Protection Agency will host office hours in Telluride this week to discuss mine tailing removal on the valley floor. The project will remove and clean up toxic mine tailings from the valley floor on a 34-acre plot of land on the south side, next to the Boomerang Bridge. This action involves really the cleanup and disposal of lead and arsenic-contaminated soil and mine tailings along the San Miguel River, uh, which encompasses... uh, federal and private land. That's Chris Wardell, Community Involvement Section Chief for the EPA. The work will include removal and disposal of tailings and soil found in and near the bank of the San Miguel River, as well as river restoration. And then this is really to reestablish aquatic habitat and mitigate erosion. The EPA says it will also clear trees and vegetation as necessary. During the project, the EPA will temporarily redirect trails around the area, moving tailings to a Newmont, Idorado property. The project was originally scheduled to start this week. However, Wardell says the start date has been pushed back after hearing concern from the community. When we announced this work, uh, we, ver- we heard very loud and clear from the community that they would like us to provide uh, a lot more information, uh, which we're happy to do. So that's why we scheduled these community meetings uh, this week. During the community meetings, EPA and U.S. Forest Service officials will be available to share information about the project, answer questions, and receive feedback. 
The community sessions will take place in the program room at the Wilkinson Public Library on Tuesday, July 20th from 4 to 6 p.m. and Wednesday, July 21st from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Those who are unable to attend the meetings can contact Wardell at Wardell, W-A-R-D-E-L-L, dot Christopher at epa.gov to get more information. In some ways, it feels like the coronavirus pandemic is over. Restaurants and bars are bustling, concerts and shows are up and running, but there are some lingering reminders that the pandemic is still with us. There is a order from the CDC that says that face coverings must be worn on all public transportation, so that includes bus, trains, uh, and airplanes. That's Paul Weiser, Mountain Village town attorney. Included in that public transportation is the gondola. But Weiser says there's been some pushback. I think the thrust of the complaints that we're getting are from people who are masked, who do not want to be on gondola with unmasked he notes Mountain Village Town staff have been receiving daily complaints about people not wearing masks, and the enforcement is spilling onto the gondola operators. From a very basic safety perspective, it's unfair for gondola operators to be trying to have an argument with somebody about asking to direct somebody to put on a mask while they're also obligated to be making sure that things are run safe. And according to Mayor Leila Benitez, the issue's gotten worse. It wasn't as much an issue when you had to still wear your mask, you know, in every restaurant, in every shop. It was just a habit and everyone was in it. But now it seems like you've lost that, that normalized flow of it. So people come to a dead stop at the gondola terminal, they don't have a mask on them. And they're wondering, well, why are you making me wear a mask? There's nowhere else in town I have to. So, Mountain Village is stepping up the gondola mask enforcement game without going too far. I don't think that we want to be at the point now, um, nor have we ever been at that point, where our police officers are actually in enforcement mechanism and are arresting people for not complying with federal law. Mountain Village will be expanding signs indicating masks are required and getting bold with the language. For Councilmember Jack Gilbride, he thinks it's important to highlight the gondola is public transportation and it's federal law that requires masks. Because I think a lot of people don't think the gondola is public transportation in the same sense that the aircraft is. Absolutely. I mean, if, if somebody is making a trip around the state, they can get on the gondola and grab a and bail and ask them without a problem Mountain Village plans to station a police officer and additional staff in the Gondola Plaza, encouraging riders to wear masks. The federal government's mask requirement on public transportation is set to expire on September 3, 2021. However, it could be extended. The San Miguel Power Association is postponing an electrical reliability project on Red Mountain Pass. The project was scheduled to close the path for lengthy amounts of time this week. SMPA says it's looking for alternative dates to complete the project. Two-way traffic will remain open on Highway 550 over Red Mountain Pass for the foreseeable future. Colorado mountain towns are declaring housing emergencies as high prices and low inventory lead to worker shortages. 
In Steamboat Springs, city leaders are eyeing short-term rentals as a possible culprit. And as KOTO Scott Franz reports, a recent decision to put a halt on them is causing friction between businesses trying to bounce back from the pandemic and residents who want to free up housing for locals. After a year of coronavirus restrictions and canceled travel plans, thousands of tourists have been flocking to Steamboat Springs to cool off in the Yampa River. Where are you guys from? Kentucky. Fontucky? That's right. I love that place. Today, dozens of people are lining up outside Peter Vandekar's river tubing business. Is it rough water? Well, define rough. You know, I mean, for me, it's scary as heck. But I'm kind of a chicken. He started 35 years ago with a single limousine to ferry tourists down the river. And now, even with droughts causing shorter tubing seasons, his numbers are off the charts. I mean, there's days where we'll put 600 people on the river. Last year we did about somewhere between 15,000 and 16,000 people. I mean, that's, and that's probably like four or 5,000 above just an average summer. But all of those tubing, hiking, and skiing visitors need a place to stay. And that's where things are getting complicated. There's 10 homes on this street, and three of those homes are vacation rentals. Tori Wadnick has lived near the base of the ski area for 20 years. She says the spike in tourism and vacation rentals is changing the character of her street. For starters, the hot tub next door is always full of strangers. There have been many nights the kids have asked to sleep in a different room, um, sleep on the couch because they can't sleep with all the noise that's coming from the hot tubs. As we walk through her neighborhood, she points to other problems. Out-of-town guests are leaving their trash outside, which attracts bears. And we have a lot of people pull into the neighborhood uh, staring at their GPS, trying to find the unit that they're renting and not paying attention to the kids who are playing tennis in the street or riding bikes. But most of all, Wadnick says they're taking away homes that could be rented or bought by local workers. The ongoing housing shortage has made it hard for her to hire enough workers for her event rental business. It's an emergency for employers, it's an emergency for employees, for families, for teachers, for firefighters, regular people who make this town tick. Wadnick is so concerned, she pulled over onto the shoulder of Interstate 70 last month to call into a Steamboat City Council meeting and ask for a timeout on vacation rentals. We deal with major disruption in our lives. And on the flip side, we aren't able to hire anyone because people in this town don't have a place to live. Council members, including Kathy Meyer, agreed. And in a first-of-its-kind decision in Colorado, they voted to pause new applications for 90 days. Day after day, this council is getting complaints about the impacts of neighborhoods and the bad actors that are ruining it for a few people out there who do rent out their homes. More than 200 vacation rentals are registered in Steamboat Springs, but that's only a small slice of the pie. City records show more than 4,000 active short-term rentals, with most not needing the type of permit the city is trying to regulate. But the decision to pause even a small portion of them is stirring up controversy. We live in a resort community. We are not Denver. We are not San Francisco. We are not that. Sarah Bradford owns a vacation rental company managing about 40 properties. She fears the council's action will be misinterpreted as the city saying no to the very tourists she counts on for business. That's hard when I hear people say, you know, shut the door behind us, we're the last people in. I don't like that sentiment. 
and Steamboat. And I think it's because so many people showed up during the pandemic. We all felt a little defensive during the pandemic, like, don't get near me. And it just proliferated that sentiment. Bradford is not against adding more regulations, and she agrees there should be limits on where they can be to limit the impact on neighborhoods, but she fears over-regulation. We need to open our arms again and welcome these people back in. They're really great people that come to visit, for the most part. The city council estimates short-term lodging generates more than $3 million in tax revenue each year, or about 11% of the city's entire general fund and they are not sure how many of the units might otherwise be rented or bought by local workers. But one thing is already clear. The city's young professionals are having a hard time finding places to live. Jay Dickert is a personal banker who is looking to buy his first home. Just about every place I've looked at has gone under contract within about three days of going onto the market. He's already looked at 15 places without making an offer. After he finishes his cocktail at a happy hour downtown, he's going to look at number 16, a one-bedroom, 450-square-foot condo listed for $400,000. And a good majority of those places are going sometimes 10, sometimes 20% over asking, like crazy numbers, and a lot of it's in cash, too, which makes it hard to compete when money's coming from out of town. It's such a drastic change that we're we're losing the people who make us who we are, who make us this kind, welcoming, fun, interesting, exciting town to live in. Even with 90 more apartments of workforce housing being built on the west end of town and state lawmakers considering spending hundreds of millions of American Rescue Plan dollars on housing next year, Tori Wadnick says the city does not have any more time to study the issue. The longer that this goes on and we don't fix it and make it not free, not a handout, but a, a place where people with hard work can survive and thrive, I, I think our, our, our town will change forever. Meanwhile, other mountain towns are starting to consider their own actions on short-term rentals. A petition is circulating in Frisco and Summit County to restrict them. And Pagosa Springs in southern Colorado is kicking off a survey this month to find out the impact on workforce housing. The pause on vacation rentals in Steamboat Springs lifts in early September. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low in the mid-50s. Tuesday, showers and thunderstorms are likely with a high around 70 during the day and a low around 55 degrees at night. Wednesday, expect showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-70s. Wednesday night calls for showers and thunderstorms with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, July 19th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206.